Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Living Waters Flowing. I am Nina Minnis, and it is a privilege and an honor to be with you today. Um, today, um, I do have a message. I'm actually going to try to make it as quick as possible. Um, my messages have been a bit lengthy, but the, the operative word here is try. <laughs> it is try. I got a late start today. I had some things and I was visiting with a friend. So bear with me. Um, the Lord actually gave me this word, um, pretty late in the day. And, um, it actually coincides with something that God had me post on Facebook concerning, um, knowing who you are, who you are. So that is what we'll be discussing today. Again, before I get started, I want to say a hearty thank you to every one of my viewers, uh, those who send uh, direct messages, um, those who email me. Thank you so much. It, it touches my heart and it encourages me. Um, and I want to let you know that those who are asking me to pray, I am praying for you. I have the names of you and your family and, and those that you uh, mentioned by name to pray for. I have them down and I am praying for them. So I just want to let you know that. And also, um, I want to, of course, always give a shout out to my, my ladies of God, the queens of God. This is why I wait. Facebook group. Thank you all so much. God bless you. And I really enjoy um, ministering to you all and, and your responses bless me. So I want to say thank you to each of you as well. Each and every viewer, even those that I don't hear from, I appreciate you taking the time to listen today and every time that you tune in. And so um, I want to, of course, start out with prayer and then we'll go into the word. Father God, I absolutely thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for everything that you're going to do. Thank you for being a way maker. Thank you for providing for your people. Lord God, we depend on you. We trust you. There is no other God before us. We depend on you and you alone. So God, we thank you because you are faithful. You are trustworthy and you have everything in your hands. Lord, it may be some of us who are concerned with day-to-day -day life and day-to-day -day things that we deal with and there's family issues and there's financial problems and and there is so those that are grieving the loss of loved ones and also those who are going through relationship problems. God, I thank you right now that you are taking care of everything that concerns us. Lord, you said cast your cares upon you because you care for us. So, Lord God, I thank you that you care enough to hear and answer prayer. And Lord, I thank you so much for allowing me to come before the people and bring your word. Lord, I ask right now that you speak through me. Lord, I completely lay myself down right now. None of Nina and all of you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, God, speak to your people, speak directly to the hearts of your people encourage them and do what you do best. And that is meet them where they are in need. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for what you're going to do today. In Jesus name. Amen. So 
again, um, we are actually going to go directly into the word. Our topic for today is don't forget who God says you are. Don't forget who God says you are. And we're going to start first um, in Psalms 139 and 14. Psalms 139 and 14 on this particular one, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it reads, I will praise you for for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. So in this point, um, God says that we are marvelous in his eyes. We are, we are made uh, fearfully and wonderfully. He has done a great job on us. And, you know, that deals with a lot of our insecurities as well. We all have insecurities that come from either just what we've gone through in our younger years that bled over into our adulthood. Um, also, maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we've been rejected. Maybe we have gone through um, some things in our life that altered our health and the way we we um, we look in some ways. Maybe we've gained some weight. Maybe we've lost a lot of weight. Well, whatever it is, it's it's something that displeases us, that, that causes us to be self-conscious of things um, concerning ourselves. And God is reminding us that we are not our own perception of ourself. We are not the perception of what others have said about us. We are not even um, the perception of what the enemy tries to portray to us. Because think about it. Everything that we watch on TV, and if you look in magazines, if you go on social media, if you um, go online to different websites and different things of that nature, seeing these people that look just almost perfect or have the attributes that we wish we had, that we think that if we had an extra or a nice body, that we would be more acceptable to society. Or if we, if we had longer hair, or if we had better quality hair, or if we didn't have much hair at all, maybe, maybe someone has thick hair and they don't like having thick hair. They want to be, you know, want it to grow in a little thinner. I mean, we always have something that we feel like we should have that we don't. Or we feel we have too much of and we need to get rid of. Uh, too fat, too skinny, um, legs too skinny, belly too too big, um, head too big, lips too big. Just different things. Lips too small, um, uh, nose too big, nose too small, nose too pointed. Um, just all kind of little nitpicky things that we tend to pick up on ourselves in comparison to what we see from day to day. We look at, at something or look at something and we deem it or the person or the image as beautiful. And then we put ourselves down because we don't look like that. 
And God is reminding us that how we are made exactly the way we're made, whether whether you are um, chubby, whether you're heavier, whether you're skinnier, um, whether you, you have a perfect physique, however the case, it does not make you um, any less of a person if you don't have this ideal body or this ideal hair or this ideal face or just, I mean, I think that we have been so programmed in our thinking that there's a certain way to look and be and and even in our personalities, we feel like if if you're not this kind of personality, then something is wrong with you or, you know, and God wants us to know that he loves us just the way we are by letting us know in his word that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, he, he put us together in such a way that is so complex and it's beautiful all at the same time. God wants us to know that it was so much put into making us that it is marvelous his works on us were absolutely marvelous when he shaped us in the womb of our, of the stomach of our mothers. When, um, when everything came together and shaped who we are, who we would look like, what type of personality we would have, the characteristics of what makes us who we are. Um, it was all marvelous, marvelous. So we have to keep that in mind when we are looking at ourselves and God wants us to know this. And I don't know why I'm staying on this so long, but insecurities can actually hold us back in so many areas of our lives, so many areas. And and it actually serves as a deterrent. It can actually cause us to spend more money than we should. It can cause us to, to get involved in different relationships because we don't feel like we, we can get anything else because we feel like we don't look the part or we feel like we don't, um, we're not intelligent enough or we don't have, or we didn't come up on the certain sides of the tracks. Like they say, it's, it has nothing to do with that. God wants us to truly see ourselves the way he sees us. So I'm gonna get off of that, but just know that When we look at ourselves and we have a mental picture or a final determination on who and what we are, God sees us totally different from that. He does not see our flaws. He sees us as something like a masterpiece, something that he put together masterfully and that he is proud of, that he deems as beautiful, marvelous in his eyes. So keep that in mind. And so our next point is that we are chosen. We are chosen. And that's going to come from 1 Peter 2 and 9. It says, but you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Again, that's first Peter two and nine. I just read from the new international version NIV. And so this is letting us know that we are not just here just to be here. 
we're not just floating around um, just purposeless, just happen to be here because your mother and father came together and brought you here and you're just here. Like some people say, I wasn't asked to be here. No, you wasn't asked to be here, but you were chosen to be here. You were chosen by God. He had a answer. He made you an answer to a problem here on earth that only you can answer. Only you can solve. Only you are chosen to do this. Now, you may be in a group of other people that will also assist, but your very existence was necessary. It was necessary and it didn't matter what means it it took to get you here, but God wanted you to be here. We were spirit before we ever came down to exist in the womb of the stomach of our mothers and, and given our flesh body. We were spirit first. So we had an assignment before we even reached this earth. So he had deemed you already as chosen. He said, you are chosen people. The next point I want to see, um, talk about is being a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Now, it's a song by... Uh, what is his name? I forgot his name, but it's called You Are Royalty. You Are Royalty. Byron Cage. It just came to me. Byron Cage. If you ever want to be blessed and really come to the knowledge of who you are, come to the word and then also listen to this song about you are royalty. You're royalty. A royal priesthood. Now that that last part, priesthood, that means you were called to minister with your life. When when people came into priesthood in the Bible, they went through a process and they came together and they ministered to the people. They ministered to the people. They they gave food, they offered sacrifices on the altar. Uh, for the sins of the people. There was a priesthood that came together to do that. So this is the same with a kingdom. This is the same with kingdom, dominion, kingdom work that we have to do, kingdom assignments. All of these things line up with a royal priesthood. This That means the work that we're called to do. We're royal because we are in Christ. We're in Christ. We're seated in heavenly places with him. And he is the son of God. So, of course, if we're in Christ, then that makes us royalty. That makes us royalty also. And then priesthood speaks on our kingdom assignment, speaks on what we're called to do. Everybody's not called to preach. Everybody's not called to preach. But all the priests that served in the Bible were not speaking before people. They were serving. They were serving in ministry. They were serving their community. They were um, doing the works of God. And, And how that looks right now, you could be a nurse. You could be a doctor. You could be a lawyer. You could be a cashier at the store. You can be a customer service rep. Um, you could be an accountant. You can be a construction worker. Wherever you are, 
you can serve as a priest to the people and God can use you in a mighty way. That's that's what ministry is about. It's not just about being behind four walls. It is about going out to the people and ministering to the needs of people, however big or small. That's part of a priesthood. Also, the next part is a holy nation. The kingdom of God, the kingdom, everyone who who has stepped into their kingdom roles in the kingdom. um, We have to see this as a holy nation. And that actually gives us a responsibility to to live a life of holiness, of course. But holy holiness and sanctification to be set apart for the works of God And that comes together. If you get a lot of those people together, that becomes a nation, a holy nation whose solely uh, sole goal is to do the will of the father, to do the things that God has called us to do. So and the next part, I just love it. God's special possession. I'm still in first Peter two and nine in the NIV version. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And in another version, it says his marvelous light. So what does that say? So that is saying he wants us to praise him. He wants us to give him glory for what he has done, for saving us, for delivering us, for setting us free, for the salvation of our, uh, the saving of our souls and our salvation how we were destined for death and now we can live eternal lives through Christ Jesus because of what he did for us and our testimony, our testimony saying he called us out of darkness. He called me out of the life that I was living. He saved me from myself. He saved me from, from drugs or alcohol or, um, or living a life that was, damaging to me or my family. I mean, there's so many testimonies of how God turned things around. Like there's some people that have um, considered suicide to, to free themselves from what they were gone through and God snatched them out of it. And a lot of times when people are, are suicidal, it is, it is partly because they have lost sight of their significance in this earth. They've lost sight of who they are. That's why God wants to minister today. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget who God says you are, not who people say you are. Not what society says you should be. But do not forget who God says you are. And then when you get free from this, remind yourself and others by telling your testimony. By giving him praise, by giving him glory and declaring his name and declaring the works that he's done in your life. Because what that does, it actually pulls people closer to God and say, you know what? If they did that for them, oh, I know God can turn my life around. Oh, I know God can turn my family member around, my friend around, my co-worker. I know if he did it for them, I know he going to do it for them. I know he's going to do it for me. I know he's going to do it for my family. So he wants us to always be praising him and pointing our lives towards him, giving our testimony, making it clear 
that only God can do this. Only God can change me and turn me around. And there's still some people out there that God is working on. Do not think that you are not in the process. You're in a process. Sometimes things take time. Things takes time. Like for me, it took me a while. I, I knew as a child who God was because my mom, of course, she, she brought me up um, in the church from six years old on up. Um, she talked to me about God and everything. So as a little girl, I knew the presence of God. I knew the voice of God. And then when I got older, of course, I wanted to stray off and go my own way and do my own thing. And then I got me a little boyfriend or got me some got me some friends and got out in the wrong environment. And I started going out doing things that I shouldn't do. But God's call on my life called me back all the time. And it was irritating. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. It was irritating. I was trying to do my own thing. I did not want to submit my life to God because I knew, I knew within myself that I couldn't halfway do it. If I was going to come to God, I knew I was going to have to be all in. And I knew that God was, was pulling on me to do something that will require more of me. And so I said, okay, so I'm going to give you the full testimony at another time. But long story short, I have been living strictly, completely for God since 2004. Now, like I said, I was going to church and doing all this other stuff from time to time up until that point. But 2004, it was like it was another level of commitment. And I start giving my my time to ministry, my heart to ministry, um, my my time to prayer and fasting, which I I. I would see my mom and all of that do, but I never really had a passion for it. I started going in that direction. So God was calling me out of my darkness into his wonderful light to be a light in this world. And that's what he's doing for you. He is calling you out of darkness because think about it. There's nothing good in dark places. And what what is what is the obvious thing when you're in darkness what you can't what you can't see you can't see spiritually you can't you don't have a clear vision for your life um on a deeper level when you are walking in darkness you can't see what god is trying to do or want to do in your life so you settle for things that that make you feel good for the moment for the time but God is calling us out of that into a light where he can minister to us, where he can show us things, where he can show us our path, where he can show us what we were created to do. So um, I'm going to get off of that because I can stay on that probably for another 30 minutes, but we will probably dedicate some time to that in in another podcast. But I want to move on to the next scripture which is going to be Romans 8 and 28 very familiar with a lot of people and I'm going to read 28 through 30 in the NIV version and it says and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose 
For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So in this, we we see that God actually conformed us, formed us into the image of his son, formed us into the image of his son so that we can do the works that he has predestined us to do. So that goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. Before we ever were put in our mother's womb, we had a calling on our life. We were chosen to do a work. We were chosen to answer that that problem we, we were tra- we were the answer to what is going to be happening in such a time as this so it, even the date that we were born was purpose because he wanted us in a certain generation to do what he has called us to do that's why we all have different passions in life that's why we all have different um, anointings which is a divine enablement on our life. There's some things that just come naturally to us that we can just do without even thinking about it. That's a gift. That's a talent. That's, that's something that God has anointed us to do, but he will use it as long as we surrender it to him. If we surrender our gifts and our talents to him, oh my God, let me tell you, he will do great and mighty things through us. Great and mighty things but we have to surrender it to him. And so back to what I was saying about being predestined. He also called, he also called those that he called, he also justified. Justified means that he and he alone is the only one that can say, yes, this person right here, I've already chosen them before the foundation of the world. And I've already given them a purpose here on earth. And because of what Jesus done, they, their sin have been forgiven. They're covered in my blood and they are justified. I don't care what mistakes they made. Uh, I, they will work that out between me and them, whatever it is. But I've justified them for the work that I've called them to do. Because I have what? I've called them. I've called them, I've chosen them to do a great and mighty work in the, in the land. And then when you submit those things to God, what does he do? He glorifies it. He glorified it. And what does that mean? That means that he is going to get the glory out of it. He is going to, he is going to make it so glorious that it prospers in the earth. So I'm going to move on because I have a few more scriptures. Let me see where I am with time. Let me see. Oh, man. Okay. We're going to uh, give me like five more minutes, y'all. I know you've heard that a lot from pastors. Give me five more minutes. But give me about five more minutes. We're going to work through this. And so now I also want to go to now read 8 through 30 of Romans. Um, 28 through 30. Excuse me. I'm going to also go to... Uh, verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? And that's what we were talking about earlier, about being called, about being justified, about being glorified. 
what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I wanted to put that in there because that when when people stand against us or when people come against what we're called to do, who we are, um, how we're made, um, what we stand for, um, when people come against us, especially if we're living for God, if God be for us, who can be against us? That means that it don't matter what it, it does not matter what they say. It doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter who's talking about you. Now, come come on now. I told you, I'm just set free from this stuff. And I am, let me tell you, shouting from the housetop. It don't matter what people say about you. People can, can uh, talk about you like a dog one day. And as soon as you do something they like, they are praising your names from the housetop. And then the next moment, if you do something that they don't like, they back dogging you again. People are fickle. So you cannot get your worth and your value from the opinions of people, from the feelings and how they feel about you and what they say about you. All of that is actually insignificant compared to what God says about you. When God gives you his stamp of approval, can't nobody touch that. You're covered in his blood. You're called, chosen, you're anointed to do a work. You're anointed by God. You are, you've given, he's, he's given you his spirit to live on the inside of you. And I don't care what mistakes you're making. A lot of people are put themselves down and, and really dog themselves out about what they do and, and the, the sin that they're caught in. That right there is just a matter of time, especially when you have a calling on your life. It's a matter of time before those things become very insignificant to you. I, I'm telling you right now, the things I used to do in the past, I wouldn't even think about doing them right now. In fact, it, it never even interests me anymore. And back then, those things were fun. All of it. All of it. The the sex, the party, the partying, the, um, the cussing people out and and getting all in people's face and, and just being really just nasty to people. I, 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 <laughs> that was fun to me. That was fun. But that was not me. That was not me. That was somebody who was dealing with hurt and had all these walls up and 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 was was had all this unforgiveness and bitterness. And that's what was coming out. But I hey, it was fun to me. That rebellion, and I knew that I was called by God, but I was rebelling and I was having fun, honey. Or at least I thought I was. But all of those things I found enjoyment with, it started being less appealing, less appealing, less appealing. And the next thing you know, it was replaced by my need and hunger and thirst for God, especially when I got in his word. I mean, when I really became just obsessed with God's word and prayer and wanting to be in his presence, I got obsessed with it. Because when you get in God's presence for real, for real, and you just saturate, you just get saturated in the presence of God, you don't want to be nowhere else. And you do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit to stay on you. You want to feel that presence at any moment his presence at any moment. So you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. You don't want to do those things. So 
anyway, I don't even know why I went there, but I'm going to move on just like I told you I would. And that's going to be in Deuteronomy 28 and 13. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and be careful to observe them, I'm telling you, listen, when you are living for God, there are benefits that just that just absolutely comes with that. It ain't just that you can just use the, the name or term Christian and and that would be, you know, you use the word Christian. I'm a Christian and, and I believe in God. Well, it's more to it than that. When you give your life to God completely, he makes you the head and not the tail. And now let me back up a little bit. If you notice at the bottom, it said, God, um, wait a minute. If you heed the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command today, that means that before he even went here, he gave some things for them to do. He gave a list of things that they needed to do in order to experience these types of blessings. So just know that it's not all about receiving the blessing, receiving the blessing, receiving the blessing. We have a responsibility as well, but it says he will make you the head and not the tail. That means that that means promotion. That means promotion, whether it be on the job, whether it be promoted in the business world, um, being an entrepreneur, um, just, uh, or in, in, in marketing and stocks and all of these things, he's going to make you the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. That means that you, you ain't got to be beneath nobody. I mean, don't ever in your mind think that you're beneath anybody. Everybody is like my mom used to say, people are people. We all have red blood. We all have skin on our body. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. We all are human beings. So we should never think that we are above anybody. And we definitely don't need to think we are beneath anybody. And also, um, I want to also read for, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Um, this is in the New King James Version. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God. What is righteousness? I looked that up. And I want to emphasize the righteousness of God in him, which is Christ. Righteousness, it says, um, defined in the dictionary, morally right or justifiable, virtuous. Um, also, a definition of that would be very good, excellent. And of course, something rises up in us and says, oh, no, I'm not perfect. No, I, I got all kind of flaws. No, it, it, that couldn't be talking about me. God can't be calling me righteous because I know I got issues. I know I got things I need to work on. I know that I'm battling in this area. But God calls us righteous, not because of what we've done or, or what we haven't done. He calls us righteous in Christ Jesus. See, like I said earlier, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're in him and he's in us. He's alive in us through the spirit of God. 
So we are considered and called the righteousness of God. Again, what we're talking about today, don't forget what God says you are. What is he saying? He said, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Also, I want to move to uh, John 14, 12 and 14. New King James Version reads, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do and also and greater works than these he will do because I go to the father and whatever you ask in my father's name that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So what is that saying to us? That's saying that he that believes in, in God, they, him that believes in Jesus, what he's doing. And, and when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you give your life over to him and live for him, and then you tap in to the spirit of God and allow the spirit of God to move through you, greater works will you do. Jesus healed the sick. He raised the dead. He did all types of miraculous miracles in the earth. He cast out demons. He, um, he um, opened blind eyes. He made the dumb to talk, the lame to walk. He did some amazing things in the earth. And he's saying greater works than these that we will do. And, and said that anything that we ask in his name, he will do it. He will do it. So what kind of, what is that? That is authority. Jesus has given us authority. So what does God say about us? What, what do we have? We have authority in Jesus. We have authority in Jesus name. So we're not some weaklings around here. Um, the enemy wants us to think that the enemy wants us to be caught up in fear and doubt and, and, um, really doubt a lot of things within ourselves. He wants us to be insecure and feel insignificant because why? Because we will not use the authority that God gave us. And why? Because we cannot bring down his kingdom. If we don't believe that we can, he will allow the, the enemy to come against our mind with all types of fear and, and doubt and unbelief and keep us insecure and hard on ourselves. My God, and it's all attacking our faith and it's attacking who our identity, our identity is in Christ. And in this scripture, John 14, 12 through 14, he's letting us know, oh, no, no, no. I've given you authority and you will do greater works than I will do. I'm moving on. I'm sorry. That's the last scripture. Now, this is to my prophets and those with a prophetic mantle on their lives. And this is going to be Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5 in New King James Version. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Hello, a prophet to the nations. I think the number one enemy, uh, the, only, the number one um, weapon that the enemy uses against those that are prophets, prophetic, those who are prophets and not even knowing it yet or not walking in that calling yet. The number one weapon 
that he uses with them is deception. Deception. And then number two, well, actually, it would be the same. These two are actually the same. The two biggest weapons would be deception and fear. He does not want the prophet, those with a prophetic mantle and a prophetic gifting, he does not want you to walk in your calling. He does not want you to walk in the anointing of the prophet or even the apostles. He does not want you to do that because why? There is a a cry in the nations for the prophets to stand up and speak out what God is saying. There was a time in the Bible where um, there were only prophets that that dwelled among the people, where there were no kings, and there were just there was just a prophet that people would go to to get things done, to get answers, to hear from God. Well, we're living in this time where God, yes, he is speaking, but he is speaking profound words through his prophets right now. And and it's so important to hear God, especially during these times when we're going through a pandemic, because there's some moves of God that God is moving in the earth in such a way that he is almost like he's recreating um, a paradigm um, he's he's causing a paradigm shift to be upon the people that are surrendered and submitted. And then he's trying to wake up those who have turned away and who have turned away from God and, and have turned away from the church and turned away from church people or any type of religion at all. Um, anything that resembles um, praising and, and worshiping and living for God, they have turned away from it. Because either they've been hurt by someone who were, who was in ministry or they feel like they were unfulfilled while they were in the church. Uh, maybe they was in a they were in a church where um, there was just a, a routine going on and there was no real move of God there. So God is raising up the prophets of God to demonstrate his power, to speak forth his word, to edify to, to quicken the people um, in their current state, especially those who have fallen asleep. And when I say fall asleep, it, it means those that have um, become routine or become dormant in the use of their gifts or those who have just really put God in a box and said, okay, I'm you, I'm, I'm utilizing God and prayer and his word only for what I need. And I'm not expecting anything else from God, just, just to meet my needs, just to, to do what it is I need him to do in my life. Um, those people I consider dormant, dormant. And so God wants to move in a mighty way and he will. But he needs all of the people of God to be awakened from their slumber. Those who have walked away or those who who have experienced God and now are questioning whether God will still move in that way. So God is raising up prophets to deliver his word throughout the nations because it is well needed. So let's pray right now. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for coming forth, God, with power and authority. 
that you gave to us, God, that you gave to each and every one of us. Lord God, I thank you right now that you are ministering to the hearts of your people, the very words of your heart. Lord, you want us to know what you say about us matters over what anyone says about us. Lord God, we thank you right now that you have rebuked the enemy right before us today. I rebind and rebuke every word that is contrary to the purpose and the will of God that goes against the knowledge of God and all that he has written and spoken into the lives of the people. Lord God, we thank you right now that every prophecy that has been given by you will come to pass. Lord, we thank you that you're raising up that remnant of believers. You're raising up the prophets. You're raising up the apostles, teachers, evangelists, God. You're raising all of all of the fivefold ministry and those that have a passion and a heart for you, those intercessors, those prayer warriors. Lord, we thank you for um, those that are praying on the wall, even from day to day, God, that, that pray for your presence, that pray for you to intervene into the lives of your people. Lord, we thank you for raising up our people and Lord, reminding us today what our identity is in you, what we're called to do, not what the enemy has said we are not who people who are short-sighted and who are are jaded by their own opinions and by their own views and mindsets not by what they say we are but who you say that we are so i thank you god right now that you are doing a new and mighty work in us lord i ask that you would call forth your people on, in another dimension in prayer, I ask that you will call forth your people, God, to go to a new dimension in your word. I ask God that you call forth people to walk into your presence, to, to desire it over any and all things, God, in the name of Jesus, God, I, I, I feel the heart that you have for your people. And I feel that you want to be closer to your people. You want to minister to each and every person, God, under the sound of my voice. You want to speak life into each and every one of them. And you want to awaken, awaken them to their true identity in you. And I thank you, God, for doing it for your glory and for the expansion of your kingdom. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus, everyone say, Amen. So I thank you again so much for spending this time with me. I want to apologize because I told you five more minutes. I'm starting to feel like an old Baptist preacher because this is probably the longest podcast I have ever done. <laughs> so I apologize, but God is speaking in this time and I had to be obedient. I had to let him do what he does best. So until we speak again, may the liver, li <laughs> the living waters of God continue to flow in your life. God bless each and every one of you. I love you. Have a blessed week. Be blessed.